What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome everyone to part two of Baseball America's annual Field of 64 College Baseball Podcast. I'm John Manuel along with Mike Lanana and Jim Schoner. We're brought to you by Louisville Slugger. Check them out on Instagram and on Twitter at Slugger Nation. And guys, we're halfway through. We're halfway home with this podcast. Let's start with the right side of the bracket as I look at my bracket. Starting with LSU, the number two overall national seed. First of all, uh, Jim, you had the, the Tigers one on your national seed list. It doesn't seem like there's a big a big difference in one or two. No. I, I th- do you think LSU would have been the one had they won the SEC tournament? It feels like their strength of schedule was a lot lower than UCLA. It's felt like they kind of had to win the SEC tournament. Yeah, I mean, one. I mean, the fact that UCLA lost its last series to uh, Oregon Whereas LSU, I mean, they did win. They did go two and one in the uh, SEC tournament, and they still. Obviously, them would tell you that UCLA was ahead going into it, and you know, doing what they did, um, doing what LSU doing what it did wasn't enough to overcome. Um, you know, the Bruins losing a series, so UCLA must have been solidly ahead. So, I mean, it's not a, it's not that big a deal. I, one versus two to, to me. I mean, it's they're as long as you're in the top eight, that's really what matters. And uh, the Bruins, I mean, you certainly can argue for the Bruins there. Regular season champs of a very good league in the Pac-12. They only lose the one series all year. They, you know, other than the, the Dodger Town kind of little right. disaster for them there. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 fine either way. Big deal in this regional for me is uh, a Lehigh is one of two teams in the entire field with a losing record, other being Sacred Heart. Number two, pretty auspicious beginning to the David Pierce regime in Tulane. Rick Jones obviously had a great run there. Uh, Post-Katrina, after going to College World Series in 2002-2005, he had the post-Katrina fallout. Coach uh, Jones lost a lot of talented assistant coaches there over the years, whether it was Mark Kingston, Jim Schlossnagel, both head coaches who are in this field. Um, Once he lost his assistant coaches, he had a harder time. And then the transfer rule, to be quite frank, it was a big issue for for Tulane. Coach Jones unable to kind of overcome that changing landscape and uh, but Tulane goes out and gets David Pierce, and guys, uh, great start for him there. Again, not an offensive ball club at Tulane, but they can really pitch. Um, yeah, really, uh, how much of a threat is Tulane? How lame is it that every time Tulane gets in a regional, unless they host, they're going to Baton Rouge no matter what? Feels like it's kind of lame. Yeah, that's that's definitely a disadvantage being where uh, being in in Louisiana. I mean, uh, I mean, I think Tulane's a I, they're not dangerous enough to win the regional, but they can. They can give LSU a run at least in one game. I mean, they said so they I mean, they've got a they're kind of a grindy, you know, stick to it team. I don't think they would be um, cowed by playing there. Obviously, they play LSU every year, so it's not going to be a something they would be cowed by. And 
I mean, I think they've, they've you know, they've and they've got a kind of a centerpiece of their own. There was Stephen Alame, their shortstop. I mean, he's he's kind of you know we like we've kind of said you know Alex Bregman's kind of the the quarterback of LSU. Alame is kind of that to uh, to Tulane. So yeah. and they so they they can can make some noise there. I don't think they're going to win it, but they can they can make some noise. And, and then, Alex Massey is also like an ace for Tulane. It gives mm-hmm. them a very dependable starter. And mid, when they play LSU, it's mostly midweek. Uh, they're going to throw if they play LSU, they're going to throw the I throw the book at him, and UNC Wilmington has been has gone to Baton Rouge in the past, and it's a kind of a funky team too. This is an interesting matchup with these two teams where two lanes really built around starting pitching, and UNC Wilmington built around the bullpen. Right, right, and the and the one thing I'll say about Tulane, just backtracking a little bit, is they're a very young team too. You look at the lineup; it's mainly sophomores in that lineup, so that bodes well for them in the future. Just how far they've been able to get this year, with you know, under new head coaching, to be able to get to this regional, you know, that really does bode well for them. But yeah, you're right with the UNCW; it, it is more reliance on bullpen than it is on its starting rotation, and it's really. I mean, you look at the numbers, and they aren't very pretty for for the UNCW pitching staff. I mean, it's a four point four three. Uh, team ERA and uh, really don't have that go-to ace starter that they can throw out there. It's really going to be a, a Johnny Holstaff kind of effort, I, I would I would imagine, out of them. They do have some veteran bats in their lineup. Um, uh, but not Matt Bats. Not Matt Bats anymore, former BA intern. Same yeah. year I was an intern here, uh, now in the Twins organization. Go and Matt dealing, Bats. Dealing and dealing. Our all-time favorite Omaha. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Yeah. So I mean, I you know UNCW is an interesting team. Uh, you know, it's a team that's that's flirted with their top 25 of points this year. Um, it has had a quality year and, and and does have some veterans in the lineup. You know, Corey Dick is a senior in that lineup who's had a nice year and, and have other veterans as well. But I, th- this is definitely LSU's regional. You know, I think LSU's the clear favorite here, and I, I can't really imagine a scenario where the Tigers lose. Yeah, to me, the only way, you know, Wilmington's a team built around its bullpen, Jordan Ramsey, uh, Jared Giselle, some power arms, um, and it's a deep bullpen. That's how Wilmington wins its, wins its games. So they don't win it with starting. Mm-hmm. And uh, definitely like Stephen Linkus, uh, they've got some speed there. I was impressed that Wilmington got a two-seed, Jim. I didn't think mm-hmm. they'd get a two-seed. I mean, their RPI is a two-seed to yeah. RPI, but felt like most of their better opponents they lost to during the year. It did, yeah. I mean, that probably was just a, a straight RPI pick, giving them a two. I mean, they didn't. Uh, you know, when they played good teams, they get swept by Florida State. They got swept by Charleston when they played during the season, um, right. and they did beat them in the con- twice in the conference tournament. So that's to their to their credit. But that's really their best uh, best thing they've done. I, I think they I think they went zero two against North Carolina in midweek games. I don't remember I if they beat. So. They went zero three uh, at Florida yeah. State, but they did. They do have a series win against Maryland. Mm-hmm. Now, That's a good I one. think UNC Wilmington's a little more dangerous than the I think if they State. can, yeah, I mean if they can, they can hit. So if they can get a lead in the sixth, seventh inning, they've got and that bullpen can, you know, they, they would be in, in good shape. But I think, um, I mean, their starting is a big problem, and just with the, I mean, they haven't, you know, I don't think they've seen any arms as good as Alex Lang, other than maybe they would have faced Mike Schworn with uh, Maryland. But other than that, I mean, and Bailey and. Um, Taylor Clark for Charleston, but right, uh, right. So, this is LSU's regional to win. That yeah. we all agree that this is a yeah. uh, this shapes up favorably for the Bayou Bengals, and uh, I don't know why I keep calling them that. Shapes up very favorably for LSU. Um, I, I'm excited about their team. Just they play with such energy. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're really just compelling to watch, and it's just going to be a fascinating experiment to see if Palmieri can guide this extremely young pitching staff from start to finish. Because yeah. that was the question coming into the year. They've answered it for 58 games. Mm-hmm. That's not what LSU's about. Mm-hmm. When, you're at a, when you're at a school with six national championships, 
and you're not measured by regular seasons. And it's, it's and and they've been tested these last few few weeks as well. They really don't have a right now. They don't have a set closer. It's it's been by committee at this point. It, it looks like uh, Bug might be the guy there. Uh, Zach Pearson's done done well for them, a senior lefty in that pen. But they don't really have a dominant you know ninety five ninety six closer that they can turn to. Jesse Stallings, a freshman, was kind of that guy at right. one point, but he's slipped a bit lately so it's going to be interesting to see how they how they maneuver those pieces there at the back end of the bullpen and you know Austin Bain they, they slid into the weekend rotation in place of Jake Godfrey and he's been up and down yeah he looked he looked good in Columbia against South Carolina through a great start but he didn't look quite as good in the SEC tournament so someone they're still standing by him like there's right. a third guy in with Poche and Lane right so right. LSU uh, has uh, and again that's uh it's just fascinating to watch this team when the last few years, you you look at Omaha and Vanderbilt experienced and power arms last year, you know, most a couple sophomores like Fulmer, uh, but really it was more veteran guys uh, on the mound for them, especially in the bullpen. And then uh, Arizona and UCLA the previous two years, a lot of juniors, the Connor Wades and the Vander Ties and the Plutkos, uh, obviously Michael Roth. Uh, his first time through was a sophomore, but the other two years, junior and senior with tons of experience. You know, South Carolina definitely relied on more experienced pitchers. Even Matt Price was old when he was a redshirt freshman, for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. So usually not teenage pitchers who lead you to College World Series championships, at least not of late, LSU trying to buck that trend. The other thing about LSU that just strikes me is that they're – that just strikes me as a team that's on a mission. I mean, yeah. they yeah. T- they got upset by Houston last year at home. They are going to – just ever since, you, Mike, you did that feature on Alex Bregman in the preseason, just kind of – the impressions that you know, kind of from your quotes from him and all that stuff, it sounds like they're uh, that team's on a mission. They're not gonna. They don't. They are they gonna like get to Omaha. They play year. like it. They are just uh, th- their energy is unsurpassed for me. Watch other teams. I just I haven't seen them all like you guys have, but I don't see anybody else who plays with that fire yeah. and that energy constantly like LSU. They bring effort. Every game. I'll, I'll say this: they were the loudest team in the in the tunnels as we're doing press conferences in between games, screaming and yelling. You know things I can't quote here in this podcast. <laughs> you know, there's definitely that fire there, and having some conversations with Bregman too. I mean, there's definitely a lot of confidence around this program, a lot of determination to get back and win a national title. So the, I would agree with with those statements that they are very hungry. Pretty interesting. Pretty interesting ball club to watch. Fun ball club to watch. Um, now, last year, their their uh, bet noir was Houston. Yes, that's a perfect segue. And then Houston is the very very juicy super regional potential. It could be. It really could be. And it's a juicy regional. Three uh, three clubs from the city of Houston, which is underwater right now. Basically, they had a ton of flooding last night. In fact, at the NBA Western Conference Finals game, fans were asked not to leave the Toyota Center because it was raining so hard and the highways were so flooded. So um, see see what happens there weather-wise going into this weekend. That's a little sidebar to watch going forward. But Houston Cougars, number one seed, American Conference, regular season champs, certainly not the road we thought they would take to get there, yeah. but they got there. Right, crosstown rival Rice, second seed, Louisiana Lafayette, the Raging Cages. They used to have a big rivalry with Rice in the postseason. Uh, beat them in a super regional there, I believe it was. Uh, beat them in a regional, I should say, in 2000, I believe, on their way to the College World Series. And then uh, Houston Baptist, the four seed, first time ever uh, representative of the Southland Conference. So, guys, uh, 
Yeah, this shaped up, Mike, yesterday in the in the video on the BA Today, you were kind of high on, on the Rice Owls. Uh, pitching depth being the main reason why, but I, I got to tell you, Rice just seems like it lacks a little something these days to the Rice teams of old. There's just not a great amount of uh, star power there. And this team, 13-12 and 12 against the top 100 this year, just feels like Rice is a fairly ordinary club outside of its pitching depth. Is that fair? Right. I, I, I think that's fair, yeah. I, I do. But, you know, I do think that this regional, I mean, Houston's obviously played well, but it's been it's been a tough year for them, especially with all the injuries that they've had pitching-wise. And I think, I mean, I think Houston is more than likely the favorite here, but I do think that Rice could possibly upset them just with, you know, the pitching depth that they do have and having Jordan Stevens and Blake Fox and Kevin McCann who have had a, a great year. And, and, you know, you can't, you know that they do have some guys offensively that have had nice years. You look at the lineup and they've hit a lot better than I think people expected them to. Yeah. Uh, especially, I mean, John Clay Reeves has had a great senior year. Um, Leon Bird's been down. Uh, I know a lot of people were expecting big things out of him this year, including Wayne Graham. He was really excited by what he saw out of him in the fall, and he's been down. But other than that, I mean, Kirby Taylor's been great. Ryan Chandler, a freshman, has been has been very good for them at the top of the order. So I, I do think they're a talented team. I, I think they've underachieved this year, but I do think they're still a dangerous club. It's a very contact-oriented offense. Right. How does that play as a team, Jim, like Houston, where it feels like this is not the pitching staff, certainly not the pitching staff they thought they were going to have, but Landtrip, to a lesser extent, Weigel, some of those guys mm-hmm. have really come through for them after the injury to Jake LeMoyne. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Landtrip's had a, a great year. I mean, he was... He's kind of the, the third guy in the preseason. We thought, you know, Aaron Garza and uh, um, what's the, uh, yeah, well, Jake LeMoyne. Uh, LeMoyne. I can't believe I blanked on his name. but <laughs> um, Anyway, yeah, we thought those two, those were going to be the, the guys. And Landtrip was, he was good. We kind of figured he'd be, you know, it's a good number three guy. But he really he really started coming on in the fall. And then he just kind of really just carried that momentum into the spring. And when those other two, and Garza's been hurt, LeMoyne's been, Garza struggled, and uh, I should say, and, you know, um, LeMoyne's been hurt. Landtrip's really stabilize that team even even when they were down at the start yeah. of the year he was pitching well every week and now they've kind of found some other answers there with uh, Kyle Dowdy the junior college transfer uh, Seth Romero is a freshman lefty they really like who's Seth Romero I mean, he's, he's, he's he's been money for those Yeah guys. exactly he's out of the bullpen and starting I mean he's 2.15 ERA he's been really good so I mean they've they've found some answers which is to their credit, to that pit, that coaching staff's credit, especially and big shock, Frank mm, Anderson figuring yeah, things out exactly. uh, for their guys on the mound, and big shock, big shock that Trip Couch has figured out. Yeah, mm-hmm. that they had enough depth for the, the kind of injuries they've sustained this yeah. year would fell much lesser teams and staffs. I mean, Todd Whiting does a great job there as a head coach. We talked about assistant coaches like Savage and Corbin and O'Sullivan, who were great recruiters who become great head coaches and still work it. Throw Jim Schlossnagel at TCU and Todd Whiting at uh, at uh, Houston on that pile. Those two guys are great head coaches in part because they still do the hard work they did as assistant coaches where they really work it. Um, and this is not a too significantly offensive team, Jim, but no. they feel like they're a little more offensive than Rice is. Yeah, I agree. And they do have... A little more power, a little more... Yeah, they do have the, you know, I mean, they do have a weapon right there with Chris Irigard, 14 home runs, and they, they got some other... I mean, you know, Corey Jolks, Jasper Dallas, those guys are capable hitters. Jacob Campbell's another an older guy who's really come on uh, late in his career here. Kyle Servants is an established guy. So they've got a little bit of depth. I mean, it's not a fearsome offense by any means, but it's 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 good enough. 
the, with the way their pitching's come together that I you know they're I mean I'll pick them to win this regional. They're they're a, a, I won't say they're a prohibitive favorite, but they're the favorite. Now speaking of consistent college coaches, like Wayne Graham, whose team all they do is win conference championships. They won the regular season this year, not a tournament. Um, but you know, we talked about Todd Whiting and the Giants and Frank Anderson. The no surprise there. Tony Robichaux. This is what Louisiana Lafayette does. Took him to Omaha in 2000. They got within a whisker of it last year. Lost that Super Regional at home to Ole Miss. That was a hell of a Super Regional. Uh, this team, obviously, a lot of a lot of change with this Raging Cajuns club. But Blake Traha gives him a leader, uh, fun guy to watch, um, and, and a lot of other things have not gone as they thought they would. You know, Greg Milhorn hasn't been kind of a stabilizing force, kind of been in and out of the rotation. But yet, Tony Robichaux and his staff just keep on plugging in answers, mm-hmm. plugging in guys. Uh, I'm not sure what you guys think of, of the Raging Cajuns. We haven't talked about that much this year. I feel like this is a team that's always going to, just always competitive. And they found a guy at LSU Eunice this year, um, and Stefan Trosclair, just another classic Cajun name. I'm not sure <laughs> to pronounce Troclair. Yeah. But 16 bombs for this guy. I mean, as usual, it's a physical club. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think they're. I mean, they're they're not as good as they were last year. Obviously, they have all the turnover they had, but they're they're still a dangerous team, and they still got some some young talent there, like you guys were mentioning. They still got Trahan or Trahan, whichever whichever yeah, one you want to go, Trahan. whatever you want to call it, whichever alias he goes by. But mm-hmm, uh, Trahan, <laughs> sorry, I didn't get it. You know, he's kind of another guy who's the you know real stabilizing force for that team. So I mean, they're, I mean, they it wouldn't shock me if they if they beat Rice or if they win a couple games here. I mean, they. And obviously they they got on a, a little run there. They won their conference tournament, so you expect they're feeling good. Rice went two and Q in the CUSA tournament, so Unusual. at least they'll, they'll be rested. You can give them that. But Lafayette, uh, Lafayette won a series at mm-hmm. Alabama during the year. They won two or three against another regional team in uh, Stony Brook. Want to go transitive property? They beat Arkansas State two out of three, which of course beat Louisville. So anyway, that's all there is to that. Um, I don't. Yeah. I don't believe in the transitive property. I don't, I don't either. I don't um, believe in math. I really don't. But well, I'm just kidding. So I, I don't believe in the transitive property. But not when it comes to baseball. Um, <laughs> it doesn't work. No. But uh, lost the first game in the Sun Belt tournament, and then rallied to win their way back into regional play. That always impresses me uh, about a team that that has that kind of toughness. I've always thought of Louisiana Lafayette as a tough uh, program. So I'm. I, to me, this is still Houston's regional to win. I, mm-hmm. I favor them. Uh, Jim, I don't know how you feel, and Mike, uh, make your picks. Well, I've got the Cougs. I'll I'll pick Houston. You're, you're picking Houston. You just right. picked Rice yesterday. I said that they'd have a, the best opportunity to upset, but I think Houston's okay. still going to hold on. All right, those those are not mutually exclusive. I follow. Yeah. Let's go to College Station. This SEC country. Who knew? Uh, but uh, Texas A&M certainly has made itself at home in the SEC, and the Aggies will try to gig. Coastal Carolina, Cal, and Texas Southern this weekend. This feels like an unnecessarily difficult regional that Texas A&M drew. Considering they were in the top ten pretty much all year, I, I feel like, Jim, they got punished for a not a less-than-stellar finish of the season and a definitely less-than-stellar non-conference schedule. Exactly. That's why they're not a top-eight national season. That's why they got a tough – I think they got a tough draw. They did, and I think that was – when I was writing a post yesterday, kind of looking into the the uh, committee's moves, I, I can't remember if I mentioned it or not, but I felt like the, one of the the other separators that you could throw in there about TCU and uh, A&M was their non-conference schedules. I mean, A&M's, other than they, they went to the tournament in Houston where I saw them, but other than that, their non-conference schedule was pretty terrible. 
I mean, they do play some of these other, you know, the other good Texas teams in the in midweek games and stuff like that. So that kind of helps it a little bit. But those first three weeks are playing Dartmouth or Holy Cross, whatever it was. I mean, not that's, even the good Ivy League. Team. Yeah, exactly. Dar- Dartmouth is good, but not even Columbia. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, that's that that probably hurt them. I mean, the committee cares about your how much you're trying to schedule. I mean, playing and they played all these home games and thirty six hundred so games. That that probably hurt them and. When they kind of and they slipped late, that was the other issue for them not getting a national seed. Was they, I guess, what was it? they went one three and one in their last five series, as I recall. And they did, I mean, they did okay in, in Hoover, but that was probably what there was kind of that combination of the the late struggles and the weak non con that you know, hurt them. And it was late struggles without facing great teams. Yeah, they lost the series at LSU two out of three. That had a lot of hype, big series, fun series to watch. But then they, you know, sweep Tennessee, but then lose at home to South Carolina. Mike, how'd they look to you, uh, to your uh, untrained but uh, up-and-coming <laughs> eye? What'd you, what'd you think of the Aggies? Yeah, I mean, I they definitely did some things that, that were, you know, they definitely did some positive things. I mean, Matt Kent looked really great in shutting down Vanderbilt. You know, he pitched a complete game gem against them, and so that's pretty huge. I mean, they've been trying to figure out that rotation all year just with all the injuries right. that they've had. And so if they can have him pitching that well, that's pretty big for them, you know, behind Grayson Long, who has been outstanding for them as a a sophomore. Um, They do have Tyler Stubblefield back throwing again. He threw out of the pen, which if if he can pitch to his capabilities is is a promising development for them. You know, they they do have... Because if they do that, they can kind of put Hendricks back in a relief role. And all, and they seem like they've they've shuffled around some guys' roles here late. Yeah, I mean they they threw Hendricks out of the bullpen in Hoover, and he was electric. He looked very good, um, you know, hitting mid, hitting the mid nineties, just a filthy breaking ball. He threw a couple innings, and and they ended up pulling him, and they probably shouldn't have pulled him. They probably should have let him finish the game, but no harm, no foul. And uh, you know, but but behind those two guys, behind Grayson Long and Matt Kent, you know, there, there are some weaknesses there in that pen. I mean, they got smacked around by by Vanderbilt, you yeah. know, twelve three. Just they just tore through that bullpen. So you know, there's a little concern there. But they do have Hendricks. They do have uh, Vincent, who is generally steady, who's generally been good for them this year. And you know, they do have some nice bats in that lineup too. Logan Taylor is a, is a great player, um, a great defensively as well in the outfield. Made a made a great throw from left field uh, gunning down a runner at home in a key moment against Alabama. Another athletic, yeah. energetic team up the yeah. middle, not as athletic on the corners because they could be had a little bit on the corner. But up the middle, it feels like Texas A&M is a pretty solid ball club and, and a deep lineup as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, they, and they crushed uh, they crushed Carson Fulmer. And There's something to be said to that. that there, there is something to be said to that. So that they crushed him, and they, and they actually, I mean, they hit Walker Bueller very well as well so it was a good approach against them and you know it, it's it's a dangerous club that there's no question and, and I think you know I think Texas A&M fans could could be left wondering why they didn't earn a national seed you know I, I think there's an argument there that they that they could have um, the same with Vanderbilt and I think both of those SEC teams I, I'm a little surprised the SEC didn't grab three national seeds but we assumed that was going to happen all year and yeah it didn't it really it kind of was surprising yeah I thought at least one of those two teams especially when TCU went 0-2 in the Big 12 yeah. tournament I thought that was going to happen um, how about the rest of this regional though Jim I know you've seen a lot of Coastal Carolina and we've all seen Cal uh, Texas Southern winner of the SWAC uh, you know, usually a team that runs a lot, steals a lot of bags. 
Um, don't feel like they're a threat in this regional. But Cal and Coastal Carolina, I feel like, are threats. Yeah, I, f- I mean, I tell you what, I am very tempted to pick Coastal here. Do it. I think if they... See, the problem is, for, for, for my eyes, I'm going to talk myself through here, is that Do it. A&M, they don't need to throw long or any of these other guys. They can throw anybody against Texas Southern. So they can save Grayson Long for Saturday. I'm thinking here, if Coastal can beat Dalton Jeffries on Friday, well, I assume, you know, you assume Cal's going to throw Jeffries that game. I feel like if they can, I want to say if Coastal can do that, then they can win. But I don't know. I mean, they're going to get Grayson Long. I just don't know. I mean, I like Coastal's <laughs> offense. That's a, it is a very. They take their. They don't get cheated up there. <laughs> they are a. They are a punishing physical team. They can steal some bases. They can run. They got a few guys that can run too. Anthony Marks at the top of that lineup's a real uh, spark plug there. But and Michael Paez too is another guy who's got. To, they got 19 steals, but. So I really like their offense. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not that familiar. I'm trying to look up how, it, how um, A&M's park plays. I don't, can't remember off the top of my head I if don't it's have a their park factor for anybody. I can find yeah. it here. I will throw yeah, it in is, here. It, Go is, ahead. Yeah, it looks like it is. It is. Let's pull up their park factors. It looks like it is fairly offensive. So, um, I mean, if that if it is a park that's suited to coastal style, then I do it. Maybe I'll. What the hell. <laughs> I'll take the chance. They can they can do it. They can if they beat Jeffries. I mean it's tough. Jeffries and Long, that's a tough path to get through to get to uh if you're gonna start two and oh. But I mean they they might could slug their way through a loser's bracket too. I don't know if they have enough pitching, but you're a believer. You're, I can you're I can see him do it. I will say about Texas Southern, I'm gonna throw this in there. Um they do lead the nation in stolen bases per game. This is not new. Texas Southern is kind of in their MO. Uh, the senior Jerry Ford has been a three-year starter. Uh, every year this guy steals 20 to 30 bags. Every year he gets on base. Yeah, every year it's around 320. Um, so there's something there for Texas Southern. If they can get some guys on base and get their offense started with some stolen bases, get, get that merry-go-round going a little bit. How's Texas A&M at stopping the run game? Uh, uh, Mike, I don't know who... who uh, you know, how they do. I know Mitch Nock yeah. is listed as a catcher, but I know every time I watch him, he's de-aging. Um, Barish, I guess, the junior college transfer from Florida, yeah. is, their, uh, is their catcher. And just looking at the numbers, it's like Michael Barish catches great, or he catches acceptably, and his catch and throw is more catch than throw. Is that fair? I mean, he's been out 15 of 49 guys this year. Yeah, I mean, they weren't really, from, from what I've seen, they weren't really tested all that much in the SEC tournament, so... And yeah, LSU runs good. on everybody. Yeah. And they run hard and aggressively on everybody. Yeah. So it feels like you have to keep Texas Southern off the bases. Once they do get on the bases, they can make things challenging. Um, Cal, meanwhile, is more of a power approach. I know Coastal's an aggressive offensive mm-hmm. team, Jim. Uh, we'll see how that matches up. Barish is not there for his bat. Four extra base hits no. for the for the Aggies. And Cal, Cal, and Cal is dangerous, right too. There, yeah. they, they bash, don't they? Oh, yeah. I mean, we've... We've talked about Cal all year. I mean, they're they're dangerous too. I mean, you get you know if Jeffrey, you get Jeffries and and you know Matt Late Ladrick from Ladrick. I mean, that's a, that's a good one too in your rotation. I mean, Mason's, not Mason's bad good either. too. I Ron mean, Mason's uh, a good senior sinker baller guy. So I, and Urseg, Paul, Aaron Knapp, all those guys. I mean, they're they are dangerous. Yeah, I mean, it feels like Cal A could have been a two seed. Mm-hmm. I I I thought they I thought they were going to be. So this is a strong regional. Yeah. B. Uh, you know, Cal's two or three wins away, like here or there, a couple series here mm-hmm. or there. 
for being a one seed in the host. Yeah. I mean, that, so I, I feel like A&M got a bad draw. They really did. And <laughs> I, I'm picking them to win this week because right. I believe in them. I think that Rob Childress is on the short list of Coach of the Year candidates. Uh, very short list. Um, but t- So I'm picking them to win. But this is a tough regional, and they got a tougher draw than they deserved. I think so. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that, but I would also go with Texas A&M. But, Jimmer, you are going off I'll, the, I'll, the board. I'll take a chance. Yeah. He's more convicted than I was with Rice. That's good. We need we need to have some uh, some upset picks. So yeah, uh, I, like, I like that one because I think that's a wide open region, completely yeah. wide open. Let's go to Fort Worth, which I feel is less of a wide open regional, with Sacred Heart <laughs> at twenty three and thirty, and Stony Brook, which is not the twenty twelve Stony Brook team, but still a good Stony Brook team. Mm-hmm. Matt Sink still coaching them, thirty four and fourteen. NC State 34-21, TCU the one seed of 43-11. TCU is my national championship pick. I said that in the video, I'm sticking with it. Yeah. I feel like TCU got a very favorable national seed that they get mm-hmm. to host regional and supers. I think they're going to take care of business this weekend. I feel like if they were on a neutral field with NC State, NC State's a very confident team mm-hmm. with some physicality offensively. I feel like NC State would have had a little bit better chance or less power deficient ballpark the perfect park factor Lupton Stadium at TCU it's one of the most pitcher happy ballparks in the country TCU is perfectly built for their ballpark and they're well built for T Dapo that's why I'm picking them that and Jim Slosnagel and his staff Kirk Sarlos this, these guys know what they're doing um, really feel like T- this is TCU's regional and I don't feel like they're going to be sorely tested except for maybe by the Wolfpack uh, convince me tell me I'm wrong Jim tell me I'm wrong Mike who so the TCU is a prohibitive favorite. Yeah, you're not wrong. I, I think TCU is. I, I think TCU is going to Omaha. I, I, I don't know if they win the national title. I, I think they could certainly contend for it and go deep in, into the College World Series. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see a scenario where. I mean, North Carolina State's obviously very hot. Finish, finish the season on a tear. They have a great lineup. Uh, you know, Logan Ratlich at the top, and really they can hit the ball really well. But I question their their pitching. You know, Corey Wilder, yes. who knows what you're going to get out of him. And I think re- he's probably going to be, like, not used unless – they're going to use right. Wilder, a uh, breaking case of glass kind of use right now. Right, right. Yeah, it's just, you know, it, it's tough. They're going to be very reliant on uh, mixing and matching out of their pen. And, you know, you get the wrong guy, you get a big inning, and, and that that's it. And I mean, TCU is not an explosive offense, but they, they know what their style is. They stay within themselves, that they play to that style very well. And – you know, going up against guys like Alex Young and Preston Morrison and, and Mitch Traver. I mean, they have they have four excellent starting pitchers for three spots. I mean, they're you know embarrassingly deep in terms of pitching. That's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. It is an embarrassment of riches uh, for this for this team. Uh, it feels like Jim, you know, Stony Brook, Sacred Heart. You know, this might be TFCO for these for these guys. I mean, someone's gonna win a game. Uh, yeah, exactly. I feel like that's Stony Brook. Yeah, probably. I mean, they've got. I mean, they do have some. Decent, uh, you know, they they can hit a little bit. They got what, uh, what six three hundred hitters here, so I mean that's you know it's okay. But I mean, I mean, what's their you know how many good arms are they are they facing in the, in the American East? So it's right. Cole Perrigine yeah. still still uh, still there. Uh, Four year player was on the twenty twelve team as a freshman shortstop. Still there. So I know that I know they like Zamora and Honahan in their weekend rotation, but. I feel like either of those guys are difference makers. I mean, are, are they going to shut down what's been a hot offense in, in NC State? So, it, these teams, I mean, it's, these, those teams have regional history. Yeah, I mean, that was exactly. 2011 that was a or 2010. 2010. Yeah, one of the uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. One, of the, one of the lower moments in uh, recent Wolfpack history there. But, That's what I'm uh, saying. They're not going to take so yeah. lightly. They got yeah, they'll remember. Yeah. That was, and that was a game where they got, they tried to get, you know, they outsmarted themselves basically with their pitching, with trying to save guys and started uh, Anthony Zampsis, who was way down the depth chart and just got hammered. Or not, He didn't get hammered. He just couldn't throw a strike. So... So yeah, so that would be like, lightly. yeah, no, he won't. You, so, but I mean, if they save, if they can save Brian Brown, their freshman uh, lefty, who's been really good. I mean, if you can beat, if you can use someone else to beat, because <laughs> we were saying where they shouldn't save guys, but right, <laughs> right. If they can, it. you know, if, if a Kurt Britt or um, really or, like uh, Piedmont, or Pete, Johnny Piedmont, I mean, do. with all their other starters, it's basically give them. You're just trying to get four, maybe five innings. I think yes. they, that's what they're aiming for, really. The X factor to me so. for NC State is Ryan Williamson. Mm-hmm. Seven very strong innings for them against Virginia yep. in the ACC tournament. That's a guy, to my mind, when Wilder's giving you one inning or less than yeah. two the last two weekends, you're going to go Ryan. you got to start Ryan Williamson. But uh, I do think NC State's dangerous. I think this was a, a bad matchup for yeah. them to go to TCU. I guess it's too too big an ask. I, I think we're all picking TCU, correct? Yeah. Yep. Uh, maybe you can't see me on the podcast, but I'm doing that stupid horned frog thing they do. <laughs> and I will say this. The downside of picking TCU to win the whole thing is the Woo Birds. Yeah. I mean, that is that's a problem. Be, yeah. That's a, that's a real problem. The Woo Birds need to go home. And fly fly north for the for the summer. I don't I don't know if they're as bad as the the Vanderbilt Whistler, though. The Vandy Whistler. That should be like instead of fan base of the week, we should do like non fan. <laughs> we should do like a playoff of the most annoying fans. I think a lot of people are going to put uh, North Carolina's super fan in there. He's loud and proud, he, but he, he doesn't he doesn't woo bird or or whistle. The the whistling. He's very loud. The thing about the Whistler, and we can touch on this more when we get to the Vanderbilt region. But well, that's, he, that's next, isn't it? That's no, it's not. one after. He next doesn't change. Great segue. He doesn't change his tune. He it's the same tune, nonstop. Can you he doesn't. It's like <laughs> and just nonstop. Are you serious? Something like that. I don't know. I haven't been to a Vanderbilt game in person in a long time. I don't. I don't remember exactly what the tune is, but he doesn't change it, <laughs> and he does it on repeat, and it carries. It carries, and it, it it's piercing, and I have nightmares about it. <laughs> I've night. It, honestly, I should have recorded it, and I could use it as my alarm ringtone in the morning, and exactly. I would just jump out of bed. Uh, that's it. So, we're picking TCU there. Let's move on to another national seed, number six seed, Illinois. Best season in Illinois history. We will have Vince Larson and Soma. If that regional, Jimmer, you're going to Fort Worth, mm-hmm. slash uh, Dallas. And if Hudson Belinsky had his way, slash College Station, <laughs> slash Stillwater. So. I'm not up for 15 hours in cars here like he's uh, no, like these guys here. I love so. Hudson's, uh, I love his want tool, but uh, I'm not sure about that common sense. I don't know. If, I'm not sure he realizes how far things apart are in Texas. Texas nothing is, is not nothing is close to anything in Texas. That's my, been my experience. You can it's, tell that guy's a northeast guy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's, everything's like an hour away. I, everything's, no. I mean, everything is bigger there, so um, is, no question. Yeah. Illinois, Notre Dame, Wright State, Ohio. Ohio, a little maction coming to Illinois. Uh, any, any surprises here? They kept this very geographic, mm-hmm. by keeping it very geographic, by Notre Dame being a two, mm-hmm. which I felt was somewhat generous, especially compared to, say, Cal. Mm-hmm. Um, it really did seem like the committee thought, man, if you swept Florida State, you get jacked up. <laughs> Cle- it got Clemson in, and it got Notre Dame uh, a two seed. And it didn't really knock FSU down 
No, they, they didn't. Yeah. Hey, Notre Dame's going to be really good next year. When you look at their pitching staff, it's a lot of freshmen and sophomores. Look at their lineup. It's a lot of sophomores and juniors who aren't going to get drafted. I think Notre Dame's going to be a preseason top 25 team next year. They might be a preseason top 10 team next year. Lidge will be back. Fiala will be back. Biggio will be back. I think Lane Richards is going to be back. And uh, the pitching staff is a lot of freshmen and sophomores like Ryan Smoyer, Gunther, the freshman uh, out of the bullpen, Peter Solomon. Uh, this, I like Notre Dame's team mm-hmm. for next year. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to be a good experience for them. I don't see anybody derailing the Illini train. No. No, I don't, I don't either. I, I think the Illini just – I mean, obviously they, they lost – you know they won twenty seven and one, so yeah. it's, it's really hard I to guess beat 28 that. Twenty eight and two now. Twenty eight and two 20, now. Last thirty yeah. games. They've lost two of their last three guys. That's yeah, it. that's it. So yeah, that's that's the that's the. They're ice cold. Yeah, so I, I you know. It's cooler than being cool. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Now, ladies, you look at Illinois. Look at the <laughs> Illinois, and it's just. I mean, on, really on both sides of the ball. I mean, they have a, a great rotation with Kevin Duchesne anchoring it. Jason Johnson's been great this year for them. You have Tyler J. We've talked a lot about Tyler J. And he's the X factor for them. And you know, he could he could pitch multiple innings at a time and great stuff. And you know, potential you know top five first overall pick potentially. Yep. And you know, you look at their lineup and it says a lot about their lineup that you have David Kirian, a, a, a guy with 14 home runs, the guy leading the team in average. You know, batting seventh in that lineup. You know, right. it's a very, it's a deep group, and it's a lineup that doesn't often get enough credit. Uh, you know, I know when I saw them at Ohio State, they were, they were exceptional, and I, I know Jimmer saw them at the at their worst. They were not exceptional. Wow. <laughs> I mean, they were good, but they didn't. I mean, they did not hit very much, and they, I mean, it's just, they weren't especially sharp. I mean, who knows? Maybe they weren't. You know, you don't know how how invested they were in the Big Ten tournament. Um, I mean, they had the streak, but they didn't. I'm mean, just kind of listening to them the way they talked about the streak. I mean, they weren't all that uh, jazzed about it, really. Like, maybe it had just gotten old. I don't know, but cause they'd already set every record they could set with it. So, I mean, they, you know, they lost. You know, they lose the game to Maryland, and they're just kind of, you know, we'll, we'll just come back tomorrow. And then they, you know, when they, it just wasn't it didn't seem like it was that big a deal to them. So, but and, they, and they, the two games they lost, they both. I mean, they made a fair amount of mistakes. It was not the particularly clean, and they didn't really hit the ball much all weekend. Uh, I mean, David. I mean, Kyrian. I think he only had two hits all weekend, but he probably hit the ball harder than his uh, his numbers show. But I mean, yeah. I mean, they are really they are very deep. They're very very deep on the mound. The lineup is seven strong. You can, you can get a little bit of a break at the end, but they're they're a tough team. They're I'm sure they're you know they've what what are they uh, they're 22 and two at home. Wow. So that bodes pretty well. That does bode well. Yeah. I mean, they only lost seven games all year, but yeah, 22 and two at home. And like so, these, I mean Notre Dame, a young team that's never been there. I mean, well, Illinois. I mean, they were there they were in regionals two years ago, but Notre Dame's never been there before. At least the players haven't. But uh, yeah, and I mean, Wright State's a team that's. I don't think they've been in regionals recently. I know they're they're usually one of the top teams in their uh, in their league. But in Ohio, you know, you know, kind of a you know a MAC team that wasn't one of the one of the one of the better teams in the MAC. I don't think I only got on a run at the end. But yeah, I mean, Illini. I think they'll. Yeah, they they should. I, I don't see them losing a game here. Even if I mean Notre Dame, if they get if they're feeling it, if they get hot, you know, you could see maybe I'm giving them a run. But I, I think this is the the line eyes to lose here. This was a this was a streaky kind of year. Uh, we had a lot of wins. We had two twenty plus win streaks this year with Texas A and M and Illinois. But the longest win streaks in college baseball history are thirty four games. Texas and Florida Atlantic. Texas did it in nineteen seventy seven. 
I don't believe they won the national championship that year, and neither did Florida Atlantic the year they won 34 in a row in 1999. I mean, Illinois didn't set a record, but I, I almost wonder if Illinois, uh, the fact that they weren't sharp in the Big Ten tournament, they had something to play for. It was not locked up they were a national seed. They shouldn't have played poorly in the Big mm-hmm. Ten tournament, frankly. That's a troubling sign mm-hmm. for, to me for a team like that that's a, that veteran of a team. I still like them to win this regional. I think Wright State's a little bit dangerous. I always like uh, Coach Greg Lovelady. Uh, was a great player at the U, another 1999 U- University of Miami guy. They've got a talented player in Ryan Fucci who's got 13 home runs, uh, 6'6 runner. Guy has some tools, uh, certainly strikes out a lot, 67 strikeouts, but second on the team in stolen bases, first the team in home runs, uh, first in the team in R- second on the team in RBIs. Uh, this is an interesting team that's well coached. They're not going to roll over for anybody. And Trapino gives them a, a, a money kind of reliever. Elliot Andrew, they've got a couple of relievers that they like out of their bullpen. I, I think Wright State's interesting. Uh, they've mm-hmm. al- they're always interesting. It's always a good team. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wouldn't shock me if Wright State uh, pulled an upset here, here or two. But it feels like this is a one seed, a three seed, and a couple of fours, or maybe two three seeds. Mm-hmm. Wright State does play a I think our, schedule. Yeah, I mean, Wright State, yeah, that's kind of what you're saying. I mean, their RPI, I think. Was in the three seed range, so that's kind of. I mean, it feels like a four. I mean, it's a team in the. Um, I forget what what conference they're from. Now, yeah, but, but also the yeah. they're sixteenth in the country in scoring margin. Mm. Miami first. And they are, well, they North are. Florida, which is second, not even in the tournament. Yeah. So stay hot, committee. I feel like like we didn't even talk about North Florida as a team that didn't get in. Yeah. yeah. Just that right there, scoring margin. I, I hope that was brought up. I didn't know until just now. Thank you, Warren Noel, but I hope somebody brought that up. For North Florida, because if you know anything about modern baseball metrics, that's a good metric. When you when your run differential is that hot, that's impressive. That's hashtag impressive. Yeah. So I would have liked for I I hope somebody brought that up. It's doubtful that anybody did, considering I didn't know that until just now, and I do feel like I follow this fairly closely. But you look at the run differential winners, uh, leaders in the country: Miami, North Florida, but then LSU, Illinois. Oklahoma State or Roberts. These are teams with gaudy records. These are almost all one seeds. Uh, Missouri State yeah. is next. Hey, there's Nevada, too. Mm-hmm. Nevada. Sorry. Nevada. i got to say it more nasally. Yeah. UCLA and Texas A&M, that's your top ten. Definitely helps for Nevada when they're putting up 20 runs a game. That's it. But, I mean, <laughs> run, run differential matters. Yeah. It, it tells you something about it. So, I'm, I, I, hope, I hope someone brought that up for North Florida. They're two. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. Um... I'm picking Illinois. I think we're all picking Illinois Yeah. Mm-hmm. at this table. Not sure about your table. We're all picking Illinois. Segue from last time to Vanderbilt. What was your Vanderbilt? Oh, the whistle, guys. <laughs> we're, we're anti-whistling, but we are pro-Vanderbilt. And this yeah. is, a again, a talented, fun team to watch. Uh, Radford, they're two. Indiana, they're three. Radford has a 15-game winning streak, second longest in the tournament after Missouri State. Guys, I mean, you know, but can anybody dethrone the defending champs at home? It feels like, uh, how do you beat Vanderbilt, uh, Mike? It feels like lots of times when Vanderbilt loses, and they, they, they beat themselves. Errors or the bullpen implodes. Yeah, I, I would say that, or, or just getting to you know Walker Bueller or Carson Fulmer, which is tough to do, but that's really, you look at their, their SEC tournament losses, and that's right. you know it, it's because Carson Fulmer wasn't at his best. You know, he gave up three home runs. You know, I, watching them, they were maybe the most impressive team that that I saw. Just 
in terms of just the eye test and, and just watching them. I mean, every pitcher that they bring out there on the mound, he's throwing low to mid nineties with with the breaking ball. You know, up and down that lineup, it's it's young in, in, in spots, but the young hitters that they have have acclimated well. Guys like Will Toffee, Penn Murphy, those right. kinds of guys, they've acclimated well. Dansby Swanson. Anyone who follows me on Twitter saw all my Dansby Swanson man crushing all week. I mean, he was just fantastic, you know, hitting four home runs in the tournament, doing everything right, making relay throws, making leaping catches, everything. And he's really the heart and soul of that team. He's their leader, like Alex Bregman is for LSU. You know, that's that's an easy comparison to make. But they're they're a dangerous club, and I you know I I don't see them. I don't see any team knocking them off in, in this regional. I, I think they have. Plenty of pitching depth, plenty of guys that they could turn to. You know, they they have you know they have Phil Pfeiffer, John Kilichowski, Jordan Sheffield, three guys right there that could start. Right. You know, pretty much anybody. Pretty much anybody that they, they could throw into the rotation. Five, basically, that's almost yeah. four, five, six, really, isn't it? Yeah. Pfeiffer, I guess, is in the top three for them. Yeah, Pfeiffer, yeah, Pfeiffer's moved into the rotation of late, but Sheffield could be that guy too, and they really they all have great stuff. And so they're just a very, 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 very deep team. Even with the guys that they lost from last year, they're still remarkably deep. And that's also without Hayden Stone, who right. was crucial for them in Omaha last year as kind of a go-to fireman really out of their bullpen. Right. I, I do wonder, I mean, Pfeiffer leads their team in saves, you know, and obviously he's in the rotation now. Right. I wonder if you know, any, did they use things differently at all? Um, they do things differently at all in the uh, SEC tournament as far as how they handled their pitchers. Yeah, I mean they really didn't have a situation where they needed to to get a save. They didn't really have a a close game a close game there. Uh, you know, so they, it was really just kind of mixing and matching, and I think just trying different things pitching wise for them. I mean they had. Really, two games they had Jordan Sheffield and Kilichowski in, in two games. They each throw five innings to, to close out the games. Kilichowski threw five perfect innings, right. and Sheffield was I think just gave up one hit in his five innings. So they really relied on kind of those longer relief kind of guys, and that's right. what, what they've done for most of the year too. They'll usually just give it to one or two guys and let them carry them to the end. They did that a lot with Pfeiffer. That's why he has as many saves as he has. So they'll bring him in in the seventh inning and let it let it ride the rest right. of the way. So it's it, I think all those pitchers are really interchangeable for them, which it was just kind of the scary thing with them is that they have so many guys in that mold that they can they could fill in. That's it. I mean, I, I think they wish that one of those guys or two of those guys would step forward more consistently, mm-hmm. but it feels like it hasn't quite happened. I'll tell you what, the biggest surprise for me with Vanderbilt is that Brian Reynolds. This is a guy who was a pure hitter last year. I know that, that as a team, it's a very aggressive approach, but so I don't I don't begrudge them all the strikeouts. I mean, that's a lot of strikeouts. But Brian Reynolds, I thought this was one of the most pure hitters in the country last year in Omaha. 60 strikeouts for Brian Reynolds and a sub-300 batting average? That surprise you at all, Jim? Does anything about about Stanford, the new Stanford? Does anything, anything about Vanderbilt surprise you uh, with this the way this team performed this year? Uh, not especially. I mean, they, they've pretty much been who we, who we thought they would be. I mean, they're often. I think they actually kind of feel like they've been top to bottom. I actually feel like they've been a little better offensively than maybe uh, you thought they would. I thought they would be anyway. I mean, you, you, obviously Dansby is. You know, kind of the star there, everyone knows. But I mean, they've, I mean, Will Toffey's been a guy who's really stepped up as a freshman. They are the top fifteen in the about. country in runs, mm-hmm. so they, they, they do score. It just, <laughs> exactly. I mean, just watching them this weekend. I mean, I don't, they don't really have like the first five hitters in the lineup, five six hitters. They don't really have an easy out there. There's no let up there. Even starting with Roll Coleman. I mean, I don't know how you throw strikes to to Roll Coleman. That strike zone is is, a, is pretty actual small. Actual Eddie Goodell, who can actually <laughs> play. So they, yeah. they led the SEC in runs scored uh, outside of LSU, of course. I mean, LSU. 
11 more runs in them. That's, you know, the, those two teams offensively were the best teams in the Southeastern Conference, and Florida kind of nipping at their heels. But yeah. I'm just I'm surprised at how many how often Vanderbilt strikes out. I, yeah, I, I, hasn't been a, an Achilles heel for them yet. Is there a pitching staff here that can take advantage of that? Can Lipscomb, Indiana, or Indiana's got a lot of, of arms. I mean, Indiana is first. Of all, I think it is kind of. I mean, if if, that, if a Vandy Indiana matchup kind of materializes, I think that would be kind of fun. Just I mean, that was a supposed to be a super regional last year until uh, yeah. Stanford went and, and spoiled it in the. Uh, I think it was the Tommy Edmonds, the walk-off home run to knock out the, uh, the Kyle Schwarber and company there in, uh, in in Bloomington. But I mean, Indiana's very—that's a very screaming Cal Quantrill, <laughs> exactly. Whose, whose karma came back on him? Uh, I shouldn't say it like that, but I mean, obviously that was you know, an injury-plagued sophomore. Yeah. Cal Quantrill. The last we saw him in the regional, he was being used on one day's rest, I believe it was. I think so. Yeah. And shut down. I think it was Indiana. two days. Yeah. It, whatever it was, it was. It was less but, than um, opt- it was suboptimal, and then he got hurt this year. Big, no big shot. But yeah, I mean, Indiana, I mean, they've still got some holdovers from that team. Uh, Scott Donnelly, Brad Hartong, who's you know transitioned to catcher this year. He's had a very good year. Uh, Casey Rodriguez at the top of the lineup. Yeah, and I like I mean, the freshman Logan Sowers. Sowers, he's been very good. He was very. Yeah. Uh, he kind of, I feel like, I remember, he kind of struggled in 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 um, in, uh, in Minneapolis. But uh, I mean, it's, they've got guys that have been there. They're you know, obviously, we think very highly of, of Chris Lemonis and that staff. I mean, it's and they've got a they've got a pretty deep stable of arms. So I mean, if they can, I mean, they really don't have like there's not hasn't been no, three they, guys who've been no. their guys all year. Like Jake Kelzer was the guy we thought would take yeah. the next step. He's kind of lost his job in the rotation, hasn't he? Yeah, he, he has. I mean, they've kind of mixed and matched a little bit, but they've got. I mean, that's they've got options. That's kind of how they can do it. And they've they've gotten hot. They've kind of figured things out down the stretch and. I think they won the last three, four series, something like that. They went and they swept Maryland. That was a big turning point for them. They uh, swept Long Beach State in non-conference series. You're gonna pick Indiana, aren't you? Nah, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. I kind of, I mean, I kind of like to, but I think they can be. I'm with you. That, that yeah, they're they're lurking. They're interesting. Yeah. They're lurking, and just like you said, that could have been super regional last mm-hmm. year. I feel like Vanderbilt is extremely dangerous to all involved, to the other teams and to themselves. It feels like when they mm-hmm. lose, they self-destruct a little bit on the mound with their bullpen. And I mean, Indiana can out. punish you if you if you're if it's not if it's not your day, you're gonna get beat. They're they're gonna. I mean, and Radford's a good. I mean, they're a good mid-major. They've got some balance, but uh, I mean, they're obviously they're a team that's never been here before, so. Missing. Playing on the road against the defending national champs, so you know, see how they respond. They're missing their best offensive player too, and Josh Gardner who fractured his kneecap. Don't. So I mean, they, they've still won without him, but you know, you wonder how long they can keep going without their best guy. I mean, I know that's part of their motivation is trying to win because he'd probably be available to come back should they make a super regional, you know, around that time frame. So interesting, interesting. But um, yeah, that, that's all. That's very interesting. Let's go to the floor. Too. We're all picking Vanderbilt, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Yeah, I'm going Vandy. We're all picking Vanderbilt. <laughs> Let's go out to Fullerton because this is a fascinating regional as well. Cal State Fullerton the one, Arizona State the two, Clemson the three, Pepperdine the four. I, I guess Pepperdine wasn't, or, or San Diego State, not good enough to be a three because they wound up, which I, San Diego State as a, as a four surprised me a little bit, Jim. Mm-hmm. That was, yeah. I thought they should have been a three, then you could have had the all West teams at. Uh, like Gelsenor, mm-hmm. instead Pepperdine gets sent to the OC, 
Arizona State probably felt like three weeks ago they were going to host a regional, yeah. and we thought they were too at Phoenix Muni. Yeah, for a long time, I had them in there. The Titans were not in any of your field of no. hosting projections they up were, until the last they one. Were, right? I mean, they were out entirely at one time after they uh, they lost that series to Maryland. I mean, they didn't they didn't look good there. They were not they were kind of floundering a bit. I mean, they, there was a, I think there was a one week where I had them dropped out, and then obviously they they sure have they sure have pieced it together. They figured something out. I'll tell you what. Number one, Thomas Eshelman is a beast. Yeah, and they've—I mean—they've done it without with losing Justin Garza too. That, that's the other thing. That is the other thing. That's the impressive thing is that Fulton has just gotten better down the stretch. But it really feels like Jim, what you saw at Maryland, which is a team that had no offensive execution, None whatsoever. no consistency, no consistent way to get runs. No, it's clicked. Things have clicked for this mm-hmm. team. Uh, Rick Vanderhoek is a. Very good offensive coach for he's got that reputation for a reason, and they figured it out, guys. And but how do they match up with Arizona State? Arizona State's got three confident starters in Martinez, Lilick, and Kellogg. They've got a money closer in Ryan Burr, mm-hmm. and Arizona State is used to playing that West Coast style and defending it. In Tracy Smith's first season uh, down in Tempe, I don't like Clemson's chances to win this regional. I will say Clemson's. Pretty physical. I mean, I mean, if Matthew Cranover could beat Arizona State, I mean, he's he beats just about everybody. That's right. Yeah. Oh, he, I, 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 did he not? I can't remember what he did he in the ACC to tournament. State yeah. In the ACC tournament. So, in a three to one game where okay. Boomer, Boomer Bogowski shoved. Okay. So yeah. And he gave up one big hit, a two run triple, I believe it was DJ Stewart. So, so I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they if Clemson wins that game with him on the mound, but. Yeah, I mean, they're not. I don't see them going out there and winning the whole thing. And I mean, depending on how Zach Erin pitches behind him, too. You know he's had he's had his moments this year uh, as well. Good. Yeah, he has he has good stuff. So, you know they, they can possibly make some noise. I don't think they'll win, but I think they can make some noise. We had a um, question as to whether or not Clemson saved Jack Leggett's job by getting this regional berth. Uh, I had a couple questions from fans. I, I have no inside information there. It's not something I uh, am, am great at doing is uh, digging on on college coaching changes. I used to be. More plugged into that than I am. Uh, it doesn't have anything to do with the draft, so <laughs> I'm not as onto that as I used to be. Uh, really doesn't feel like Jack Leggett should lose his job in a year where they go to regionals, but 32 and 27, and it felt like it was kind of a gift for them to get mm-hmm. in. Yeah. And again, I felt like it's not bad they're in. It's not. It's not a calamity or a tragic. Certainly, you can make a case yeah. for them. I mean, it's. I, I mean, they, they beat Florida State as we've mentioned. They. Go sixteen and fourteen in, in the ACC, a very good leagues yeah. or a good league. So, I mean, you can argue there is a case to be made for them, but it's just with an RPI in the fifties. I mean, that's pretty rare for a for a team like them to get in. I just think there are three teams that you can make better cases for in Nevada, in uh, good pronunciation. Thank you, Michigan State. Michigan State. And then in North Florida as well, I think you can make good cases for each of those three teams good over point. Clemson, and I think honestly over Oregon as well. But those are good points. Uh, let's let's move on to what has been the key, Jim, Mike. What's what's unlocked the offense for uh, Cal State Fullerton? Was it uh, Jared Bravo and Josh Vargas moving up in that lineup and getting more involved in the lineup? Was did they just take more doses? They've got 84 doses this year. 84 hit by pitches. Are you kidding me? There are four guys on this team with uh, double-digit HBPs. It's, it's all about sticking those elbows out. That's that's well, really been the key. Yeah, that's that's really been the key. Feels like Scotty Hurst <laughs> got a little hotter lately. He had a terrible start to the year anyway. Mm, yeah. Um, in your minds, what what what's key to this offense, or is it just a matter of 
with a more buy-in to the Rick Vanderhoek way of doing things. Yeah, I mean, I would think it's probably it's a matter of execution. I mean, they didn't, they couldn't get anything done when I was seeing them. I mean, you look at some of these guys. I mean, we got Omade Davy, Omedo Barrero up there with eight home runs. They've got a little bit of thump. You got one guy anyway with some thump. Just that Estel. changes things. Yeah, it does. That's kind of not what you, how you, you picture Fullerton scoring. But so they've got one guy in there that can do that. And then, yeah, I mean, they just, they've got, they're just they're, they kind of manu they they figured out a way to to play their style, and that's it's they've. You know, they've been able to make it work down the stretch here, and then uh, you know, it's, it's just all about the, what they can do on the mound. I mean, that's that's kind of a – Eshelman's the, the separator. They start tremendously with Eshelman, and I have to imagine they're going to save him for – they're not going to fill him up against Pepperdine. They close great with Peitzmeyer. He's one of the nation's better closers. I mean, he doesn't blow you away, but he's been very effective all year. It just feels like this is a team that – if they figure it out in between, they can win this regional. But I'm actually picking Arizona State, guys. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm picking the, the Sun Devils. I know they've struggled for the last month, month and a half. I don't feel like this is – there's not an exceptional team in this regional. No, uh, yeah, that's fair. It's a pretty flat regional. I agree with you, and honestly, I'm a little surprised you're not going with Fullerton, given our given our college preview cover and uh, all you know, the Fullerton love of late. But, that's right. You know I have hmm. – uh, a, a, a deep reservoir of good feelings for the program and for Thomas Eshelman. Yeah, I don't. See, I don't see the depth of pitching there. I, I agree and, with you. And, and if they don't, I, I just you know Pepperdine went to regionals. They went to super regional last year. Now Aaron Brown is not walking through that door. He was the best player in any super regional last year. Basically, that guy was a beast for Pepperdine last year. Yeah. And Pepperdine had to kind of scrap claw its way. Um, I do like Fullerton's offense. When you look at the big, uh, big West numbers, I do like how they rallied offensively. But just something about uh, Arizona State's pitching and the way things are set up. Tracy Smith's gone to Omaha before. He's taken a team to Omaha. Rick Vanderhoek hasn't. Yeah. Fullerton hasn't been since 2009. I'm going to give a slight edge to the Sun Devils there. I, mean, I, I guess I'm just in a Pac-12 state of mind. No, I'm going to Arizona State, too. Wow, all right. Jim. Mm-hmm. I'll take the upset then and go with Fullerton. <laughs> exactly. Last I mean, I'll, I'll take the, the hotter team, basically. They are a hot team. They are a hot team, and uh, they deserve uh, – uh, I'm happy that they, they hosted. I'm happy that they turned things around. I think Arizona State, a little bit more talented team that figured things out a little bit at the end. Last but not least, the Louisville Regional. Man, the, I'm telling you, the, the Cardinals slumped at the end of the year. They were not. It's not a good look when your number one starter is getting housed every week. They're in a funk. Funkhouse, they are in a funk. And Kyle Funkhauser, first of all, his stuff waned and his draft stock fell. Then he got hammered by Clemson and didn't even make it past the fifth inning. But Louisville hangs on. They're still a number one seed, and they're the number three national seed. This is an overseed, if you ask me. I know they went 25-5 and five in the ACC. They did not deserve to be the number three national seed. I don't feel like um, if they weren't the top eight national seed, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have shocked me. I feel they deserved it. Twenty five mm. and five is twenty five and five, but the ACC was a mediocre league that should have gotten six bids max. It got seven. I didn't. I feel like they're overseeded at three. It doesn't really mm. matter, but mm. um, but they're the one. Then they got a gift two seed in Bradley. Um, we'll let Jim rage in a minute. Michigan is a dangerous three, an R, a three RPI, but kind of like Texas, basically. Mm. A, Talented team that was a preseason projected field of 64 team that had to rally after early injuries, won their conference tournament, got in. And then Moorhead State, which leads the country in batting by a wide margin. With a pretty good coach there. Coach McGuire was for a long-time assistant at Winthrop, then the head coach of Lewisburg Junior College, now Moorhead State. Um, 
still this this regional feels like it's it's Louisville's regional. Um, I don't feel like Louisville's. I feel like Brendan McKay and their bullpen should be enough for Louisville to win this regional, guys. The funny thing is, can you trust Kyle Funkhauser to beat Moorhead State? <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, that's a great question. Right now, is I don't know. What I, one thing I'll say is, uh, talking to to Rich Hill earlier in the year, head coach at San Diego, he, he was really he wrote high. That. Yeah, they lost at home to Moorhead State, didn't they? They did. The Moorhead State won three out of four, and right. he and he that's said, a "Good call. That's a great call." <laughs> and he said, "Hey, you know, Moorhead State can hit." And he was right. They can hit. You know, uh, people should have taken him more seriously back then. But th- they can hit. And by people, you mean us? Yes, <laughs> by us. And uh, <laughs> so you know that you know they're going to be a threat in, in this regional. I I mean, look, I still think Louisville is the clear favorite here. And even even if Funkhauser isn't throwing well, the way Brandon McKay has thrown this year, Josh Rogers has thrown well this year. Yeah. They still have depth on the mound. They still have some depth in the bullpen. Generally, I know the bullpen was a little shaky near the end of the ACC tournament. I think you're going to see Josh but, Rogers actually in the opener yeah. against Morehead State because he didn't pitch in the ACC tournament. They were right. saving him for the championship game. Uh. So you're going to see Josh Rogers in the opener, yeah, and then Funkhauser McKay could go Saturday, and then the other could go Sunday. Yeah. So that's actually that would even if they save Funkhauser for Sunday, that would give them a little extra rest, to, uh, maybe an extra bullpen even to work out any issues that have him in the proverbial funk. Right, and and I think you know from talking to talking to Kyle when when they were here playing NC State, I mean I know he was. He was dealing with a little fatigue. He was pulling back in the weight room a little bit because they threw him on short rest back-to-back weeks. So you wonder if it's just he's running out of gas at this point, and if, if they are able to save him for a little bit, maybe that a little extra rest does help him. I think he's definitely running out of gas because as J.J. Yeah. Cooper has detailed, and we'll have this article out this week, he's averaging more than 110 pitches per start. Yeah. Per mm-hmm. start. So, um, yeah. But you, really, when you look at Moorhead State's numbers, this is a these are you know, Beezer bat numbers they're putting up. Beezer bat, 335 batting as a team, um, and they do it, they don't strike out. Uh, 361 strikeouts, 254 walks, that's a great ratio as a team. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what, how they fare in this regional. Um, Jim, take take it, take the floor. All right. We know you love Michigan. You saw them live. You saw them at their mm-hmm. best in the, in the Big Ten tournament. It feels like they had that the Travis Mazes banged up early. Mm-hmm. They've really gotten hot late as a team. Mm-hmm. Jacob Cronenworth is a go-to money closer, reliever. Um, and Bradley, Spencer Gay, uh, Elliot Ashbeck. I know they have some star power there, but you're not a believer in, in the Bradley Braves. Give us the 30-second to a minute <laughs> synopsis of why you don't believe in Bradley and why you do believe in Michigan. All right, Bradley, they are, they're a good... I can all right. I can live with them being in the field because they are. They have the RPI that they have. They, have they gamed 20, the system very well. They did. They gamed it. And Dave Peakey, the kind of in the, the call yesterday, he kind of I won't say bristled, but he kind of wasn't happy when someone, one of the other reporters, mentioned like, you know, well, what do you think about teams gaming the RPI? He didn't really. Uh, he didn't. He didn't take too kindly to that uh, assertion. But anyway, that's what Bradley did. <laughs> and um, I Where mean. They went 10 and 11 in the Missouri Valley. And the thing that gets me, it's not that they're in. You find the RPI is what it is, so fine, put them in. But they're a two seed. I mean, come on. That's an outrage. When you're a two seed, you're saying that they have been one of the 32 best teams in the country. 
No. And one of the 32 best teams in the country would not go 10 and 11 in the Valley. I'm sorry, it's not. No matter how good the Valley is. Yeah, no matter how good the, the Valley is. I mean, it's a three-bid league. It's not the SEC. It's good, but it's not you know, It's not a power. It's a mid-major league. And they're they're a good mid-major team. They've got, you know, older guys. They've got some guys that can hit. You know, like Spencer God, not, you know, Isaac Smith's had a good year, but they're not a two-seed. That's kind of a joke. <laughs> it, it is. Um, it is. I think it is a joke. Um, um, Vince Lara is not here can, to stand up for the Valley. He's our mid-major guy. Um, so, guy. so like uh, they can be, you know, they're in fine. They can be. That's. I, I mean, it's have not. It's not Bradley. a. It's not a. It's not a trap. There have been worse selections over the years. It's not a travesty that they're in because they did win games. It, they won a lot of games away from home. So is that's it their fantastic credit. to you that they get to play your favorite team now, Michigan? <laughs> yeah. uh, it only would have been better if they played Maryland. Oh yeah, or the exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And I don't know what you would. I don't know what, have I, what I would have done if I if they got one of those teams. But uh, yeah, I mean, so Michigan. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we had Michigan as a field of sixty four team in the preseason. We thought they'd be good. I'll see. They struggled early. They've been banged up a little bit. They kind of found some answers on the mound. I mean, Brett Adcock was money in the Big Ten tournament. They brought him back on three days rest in the uh, championship game. So, and maybe I don't know if they're going to throw him in that opener. They may not be able to because he just uh, see, he just came back on short rest. But anyway. I mean, they've, he's, he was outstanding in both starts, even on three days rest. Um, they've got I was Cronenworth in the bullpen was outstanding, and he's he does it all for those guys. I was big, really impressed with him. Uh, Jackson Glines, you know, extremely athletic center fielder. Jake Bivens didn't have a great tournament in uh, in Minneapolis, but he's had a great year. Corey Bruder's a really athletic guy. Uh, Carmen Benedetti, the big first baseman, you know, he's, he's a good hitter. Starting to be um, a factor on the mound too. Exactly. Yeah. They, from earlier in the year. Yeah, I think it was really he was not he wasn't. That good uh, this past week, but I mean, for the number, I mean, for the year, his numbers were outstanding. So I mean, he's a guy they. I mean, they were still bringing him in in high leverage spots. So he's still a guy they trust. But uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, but most of all, I mean, that team, they're feeling it. They're like Indiana. They are very confident. They were very loose, even though they were under this all or nothing pressure of what they had. I kind of wrote a couple times when I was during the uh, last week. They were, I mean, they were extremely loose. They were very. They very much believed in themselves. They were knew they were good, but they weren't cocky about it. I mean, that was a very impressive week, and they and they beat all uh, as they, were, they beat all good teams. I mean, they beat Indiana, who was red hot. They beat um, who was it? they beat Iowa, who was obviously the two seed itself. And then they beat uh, they beat Illinois, who was fresh off its streak, and then they beat the Terps in the uh, finals. So I mean, that's it was a very impressive week, and they are they've been very hot. Other than I mean, they did. Lose their last regular season series to Oklahoma State, but Oklahoma State's really good. So I'm. Um, You're bullish on the Wolverines. I am bullish. I don't. I mean, I mean, if you throw if Adcock versus McKay, if that is the, the matchup on Saturday, that would be a very fascinating game. I'm just gonna throw this out there that BA intern Brent Dravalis, who is a Bradley uh, Brave student, says tweeted on May 25th. This is awesome. What a great group. So proud of these guys. Michigan better be ready because the Braves are coming. So, gauntlet throw down Mike Droff by Brent Drevelis. You think as a fellow Greek-American, I know how to pronounce his last name, but I don't. Uh, Mike, who are you picking to win this region? I'm picking Louisville. I'm going Bradley. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Louisville. That was well done. Well done. Uh, Jim, are you I picking d- Michigan? Do it. Oh. Sure. Why not? <laughs> Be 2007 revisited here with, the, with them. It would be. It would be. Uh, Michigan went on the road in Aunt Seven and beat mm-hmm. Vanderbilt. 
beating t- David Price out of the bullpen in the regional final. Mm-hmm. Alan Oaks, name that has never spoken in Nashville, <laughs> um, with the game-winning home run. So we've got UCLA. Uh, we had a smorgasbord of everybody who picked Blake Elsinore. So really, the ones we really disagree on, and I brought the wrong sheet because I don't remember exactly what we picked in the first bracket. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> I feel like we only picked that one upset, really. And I, like, I picked Oregon State, I think, to win DBU. But didn't you guys both pick the DBU? He picked Oregon State. I picked, oh, I picked DBU. But the O State sure. ball was. Um, you picked DBU, Mike. All right. I brought the wrong sheet. Of paper. But the rest of those on the left bracket, we picked Chalk. Except yeah. for the Lake Elsinore Regional and the Dallas Regional. On the right side, a little bit more disagreement. Who's your uh, bracket winners uh, on each side, guys? Who, who's going to advance to the finals? We'll go. We'll do super regional picks. I guess we have to do super regional picks now. Let's face it. Yeah. I'm picking UCLA to get all the way through. I guess whomever is from Lake Elsinore, Mike. On that side of the bracket. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. Jimmer. Yeah. I mean, got the Bruins winning it all, so yeah. Okay. Oklahoma State Regional, the Stillwater Regional versus Missouri State. I think we all picked OK State, and I think we all picked. Missouri State. Mm-hmm. Unless I'm mistaken there. So if we're picking Oklahoma State versus Missouri State, who are you picking uh, to win that super? Missouri State. I agree. I think I'm going to go Missouri State too. Uh, we're going to go chalk there, it looks like. Miami versus the Dallas Baptist slash OK Oregon State winner. I think out of those, I, I frankly think I like Miami, a, and I'm yeah. surprised, but Miami versus either of those, that's a contrast in styles. And I'll tell you, mm-hmm. Dallas Baptist be a fascinating contrast for Miami. Yeah. I would also love to see Andrew Moore against Miami. Yeah, that, that would be, be fascinating, you know, too. That would be really interesting to watch. I'm still picking the Canes. I think they're the best bet. They're the, they're the best hope for the ACC to end its 60-year Omaha drought, 1955 uh, Lake Forest. Jim, who do you like there in that super regional? Yeah, I'll do, I'll do the Canes. Michael and Anna. <sighs> the Canes are the safest pick. I'm tempted to go DBU, but I think Canes are safer. I'm penciling you in for DBU just because. Go for it. Uh, Florida State, I think we all picked the Seminoles in that one. I think we all picked the Gators in the other one. Yeah. I think that's going to be a great Super Regional. That would be a lot of fun. Florida versus Florida State will be a great Super Regional, but I think it's a great. The worst hashtag would win out. That hashtag. No thanks. Yeah, I I would go Gators. I think Gators are the the best team there. I think we're going chalk on this left side, Jim. Are we going chalk over here? Oh. Yeah, I'll do the game. Well, you can do the Seminoles. They're a good Seminoles are very yeah, good too. Yeah, they are. Sure, I'll do them. The Seminoles, <laughs> do it. I mean, they did. Right. I'm not sure if it, the fact that they beat Florida in the regular season it helps them or hurts them. <laughs> to be honest, but yeah, so that's the thing. It was all midweek. Yeah, the weekend so. series would be pretty impressive. This other side of the bracket, we all picked LSU and Houston. Rematch of last year's regional, I'm not picking against the, the LSU this year. Me neither. Me neither. All right. Uh, Mike and I picked A&M. Jim, you picked Coastal. Winner of that versus TCU. I'm on record with TCU. Who do you guys have in, in getting through to Omaha from this side? Yeah, this does not. That, well, A&M feels like a, a vulnerable matchup for Coastal. TCU does not. I, I think that's a TCU all the way. Going with the Schloss. I think we are all going with the Schloss. Illinois Vandy. Now that will be a fascinating super regional. Mm, yeah. It would. Gotta be honest with you, I feel like that's set up for Illinois. They're a swing and miss bunch on the mound. Kevin Duchesne, I don't think that guy's gonna be scared against anybody. 
And Tyler J, everyday Tyler J, might see action in two or three games in that regional with the physicality and uh, old team, frankly, that Illinois has. I like their chances in that super regional. I don't know that I love Vanderbilt away from home on a non turf field. Is Illinois turf or not? Is that grass That's a good field? Question. You were there. I no, you there. weren't. I was Ohio not State. there. <laughs> I, I still, I'm, I'm picking Ohio Illinois. State's turf. <laughs> I'm, I'm picking, I'm picking uh, Vander, uh, Illinois to upset Vanderbilt. It would be, it would be an upset name wise. Yeah. It would not be an upset seed wise. But I'm picking yeah. Illinois to win that one, guys. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think this definitely would be one of the more enticing matchups on on, on this bracket. I, I honestly, I would go with Vanderbilt. Having having seen them this week. I just think I'm not sure has has Illinois faced a lineup as as tough as Vanderbilt's this year. Their pitching staff. I mean, I'm not I'm not entirely no, sure. They, they do. I mean, they did play. State. They played Oklahoma State. Yeah. That's probably. I mean, not the same. And it is yeah. a field turf park in Illinois, by yeah. the way. Yeah, I don't know. I just I I I I think Illinois has had a fantastic year, and I would not be surprised if they did beat Vanderbilt. But if I had to pick a team, I'd pick Vandy. I just I really like. On both sides of the ball, just just watching them rake this this weekend, and and the vet, the veterans on the team, the guys that have been there before, the guys like Dansby, the guys like Xander Wheel, guys like that, I just I, I I go with them. I'm going back and forth. I can see. I mean, I think it would be a fascinating to see Fulmer against those that lineup, to see Deshane against Vandy's lineup. I think I'm going to take the Illini. I think even if, even if they lose, even if they were to lose to Fulmer. I could see them fighting back. If they could, they, they, they would extend Tyler J. If they have to. I think and, it's the Big Ten's world, guys. Yeah. We're just living in it. That's how they, in a year this strong, I just got I mean, this, the Big this feels Ten's like a This feels kind of like a you know fifty-two forty-eight kind of yep. you know pick which way I'm leaning, but I'll do I'll I'll go with Illinois. Finally, uh, I picked and Mike picked the Sun Devils, and Jimmy picked Fullerton. And then Jim, you, you so I've Jim got a Fullerton, Fullerton, Michigan here, Michigan super, <laughs> which would be at Fullerton, which would be awesome. So oh, Jim, man. the Fullerton, Michigan theoretical uh, super regional winner would be. Wow, I, I got to digest that one for a sec. Um, Mike, you and I have Arizona State versus Louisville. I got Louisville. I'm taking Louisville there, despite yeah. the uh, you know iffiness of Kyle Funkhauser. I got to tell you. That'd be a little bit of a scary matchup because you know that Tracy Smith and Illinois, I mean, Indiana played Louisville midweek constantly. Those coaching staffs know each other. And obviously, Chris Lamonis from Louisville now replaced Tracy Smith in Indiana. That'd be kind of an incestuous uh, yeah. super regional there. <laughs> yeah. I'm taking Louisville to get to Omaha, but I don't feel good about them. I, I mean, I don't feel super good about Arizona State either, though. Yes. And their mm-hmm. rotation has been inconsistent up that's, and down all year. So that's I, fair. I'm more comfortable with Louisville than I am with Arizona State. The way this thing is setting up, I mean, it feels... I'll tell you what, it feels strange to pick two Big Ten teams. Yeah. But <laughs> Michigan is... They're so athletic, I can see them holding their own against what Fullerton wants to do, you know, offensively. And, I mean, even if they if they lose to Eshelman... They could come back. Oh man, do it. It is. It's. It's really. It, I. I mean, I want to pick Michigan. I mean, it just feels. The only thing that's stopping me is like really two Big Ten teams in the, in Omaha. But that would make it on the Jim would, Ledger. That would make uh, Florida Sully, Vanderbilt with uh, uh, Corbin. Jim Corbin, and then Eric Backich, who's oh, yeah. like the younger like member a, of that coaching tree, like all a, in Omaha. 
It's like a, a coaching grandson. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. He's the coaching grandson. <laughs> Jack he's Jack a, he is of two families. He's of the mm-hmm. Keith. Well, he's the Jack mm-hmm. Leggett family because mm-hmm. Keith LeClaire played for Jack Leggett at Western Carolina, then coached Eric Backich at East Carolina. Mm-hmm. And I will repeat this again: the East Carolina coaching tree for the 2001 team. Brian Ward, assistant coach out at Loyola Marymount. Nick Schnabel, assistant at Michigan to Eric Backich. Uh, Joe Hastings, assistant coach at Coastal Carolina. College baseball is lousy with these guys from that era of uh, East Carolina baseball. Clayton McCullough, not pictured in this regional because he's the field coordinator for the Los Angeles Dodgers. But that ECU team was a special group. And Eric Backich, uh, for these two great coaching trees, the LeClaire coaching tree and the Leggett coaching tree. So uh, Jack Leggett may not make it to Omaha, but a lot of his progeny will. Mm-hmm. So we're picking UCLA, Missouri State, Miami, a little DBU, 48% for Mike. Uh, and then Florida for me and Mike, Jim with Florida State, LSU, TCU. And then it just all goes to hell in the bottom right. We're, we're all in disagreement. Who's your national championship pick, Mike? In the finals, who would you pick? One from each bracket. You haven't been writing this down. You don't even remember who you picked on the right bracket, do you? Mm. <laughs> this Isn't is it UCLA, Missouri State, Miami, Florida, LSU, TCU, Illinois, and Louisville? So you got to pick one from the left, one from the right. What's your finals matchup? I'll, I'll give you a minute to think yeah, about it. I, I, I'm going to go UCLA, TCU over here. No, no, not UCLA, I'm sorry. Florida, I'm writing the hotter hand. Mm. Florida, TCU, and I'm picking TCU in the finals over Florida. So that's a bunch of my picks. I'm writing it down in uh, pen. Uh, TCU over Florida and Omaha. Uh, Mike, you're next, then Jim. Jim, uh, you can't do Big Ten versus Big Ten here, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, go, and, and you can't you can't put the Terps in the final. I know, I want to. <laughs> Too late. Let's uh, give them a bye to the final. <laughs> I'm gonna go UCLA versus TCU in the final. I'm a, I'm in agreement with you on TCU. Re- Revenge of Dodger Town is that what you're saying here? Yeah, and I think UCLA wins. All right, UCLA over TCU for Mike Jimmer. All right, well. I was gonna go with the the exact same. Uh, you can. One there. Well, you're, you're so you, well, I'll stick with UCLA winning. Um, so I've got Illinois and Michigan and LSU as the other teams there, as I recall. Correct. Um, I could see LSU getting there too. I, I yeah. would not be surprised. They were my national title pick in the college preview issue. All right, just for. <laughs> I do think. Um, I mean, if UCLA played TCU, there might be. Three runs scored in the entire series, <laughs> three three one nothing games. But um, but I'll, so I'll take UCLA and LSU. I'll take the over LSU, I should say. So none uh, so. of us is picking LSU. That's surprising. I don't yeah. know what happened, but uh, I'm just picking TCU because their pitching yeah. depth and style of play. I I wouldn't I I wouldn't be surprised if LSU won. You know, you you just you look at their pitching staff and you look at the youth on the staff and it's just you know that uh, UCLA and TCU I feel like are safer bets. That, that's exactly And I realize I'm going way out on a limb to pick the, the number one team to beat the number two team. But right, exactly. Yeah. That's okay. Well, we're all picking national seeds. And yeah. It, it, does, and it feels like it shouldn't be that way because there's so much parity, but by the end of the mm-hmm. year, it does feel like things shook out a little bit more. Yeah. And I, I do feel like out of those top – and maybe we're underestimating Missouri State. We'll get a better report on them uh, in, in regional play. But I feel like we you – know, again, really good team at the top. A steady player in Tate Matheny. I feel like they're like they're forty eight and thirteen or whatever they are. Forty eight and ten. Forty six. Forty five and ten. Forty five and ten. Yeah. We haven't even mentioned them. Top eight national seed, but we haven't gone to Omaha. It just feels like I mean, I almost have a hunch like I'm light on Missouri State, but uh, I do feel better about if I'm ranking those teams. 
I'm thinking Florida, UCLA, TCU, LSU. Those, those teams have separated themselves a little bit from the pack. And, uh, but it should be an exciting postseason, guys. Fun podcast. Taking two and a half hours of your time, so I will stop doing that. We hope you guys enjoy this at home. For Michael and Anna and Jim Schoener, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you on the next Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.